Hi, and welcome to Tea Break, Trans in the City's new podcast. And this is the second uh, talk of the day, Intersectionality. And my guests for this particular section are, um, we've got Oscar Hoyle. Hello. Verity Smith. Hello. And Eva Echo. Hi. So I'm just going to let you introduce yourselves. So let's start with you, Verity. Hi, my name is Verity. My pronouns are he, him. I'm the youth engagement manager for Mermaids. It's my day job. And away from that, I play elite rugby in my own right as a wheelchair player. Hi, my name's Eva. My pronouns are she, they. I'm one of the directors at Trans in the City. I'm also director of innovation at Birmingham Pride. I sit on the Crown Prosecution Services Hate Crime Panel, and I also work with various police forces to educate them about trans awareness. Hello, I'm Oscar Hoyle. I use they them pronouns. I am a director at Trans in the City. I'm also the Chief Operating Officer at Blossom LGBTCIC and just generally a bit of a political loudmouth. Yeah. It's what it's what I've heard, you know. <laughs> yeah. The gobby one. The gobby one. I mean you can't be trans and not be gobby, let's face it. I uh, do you know I, I I was born gobby, to be honest with you. I think my first word was stop doing that, so <laughs> is that to the, is the uh, delivery war people? Everyone. Stop it! I, 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 I like it, it was just, uh, it was so cis head in the hospital. Pop out, not on my watch. <laughs> Let's start with um, what, you know, the definition of intersectionality. What does it mean? Any of you? The way I look at it is, I always use backpacks as a, as a way to describe it and break it down because. We all have a backpack on us. What's in the backpack will be completely different. So in my backpack, I have my trans identity. The fact that I come from a very working class background, East Asian, very neurospicy, um, and amongst other things, religion as well. So that's all in my backpack and I carry that around. And certain parts of my identity, certain things within that backpack are heavier than others. And sometimes, you know, if I put my hand in, uh, one thing will be, one identity will be at the top more than others. And for me right now, it's my trans identity because trans people are under attack constantly. Um, we can't, we just don't have the freedom to exist. Um, so that's why that's at the top. But, you know, that's closely followed by other things. And without that backpack, I wouldn't be me. That, that's, that backpack contains everything that makes me. So that I mean, the way you describe that, it's like it's like all the elements of your your being, yourself, you kind of carry around with you in your backpack. It's really it's a really interesting way of describing it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I use it as well for young people at work about mm. how do we empty that backpack from them carrying so much heavy goods mm. around with them. So looking at how we can break that down into bits, like. We all talk about I'm trans or that's what I'm, I'm known for, I'm a trans person, but actually I'm a rugby player, I just happen to be trans. Mm. So for me, it's being trans, being gay and being in a wheelchair, for me, not, none of that's always been there either, so it's been a learning curve as I've gone along because I played elite women's rugby for 26 years, league and junior. I got told if I came out when I was younger, they'd kick me out of the women's premiership and I had absolutely nothing, no support, lost parents, you got pushed into getting married to a woman for seven years so I could still fit in playing my sport as a lesbian but that was never me. I'm 42 now and I'm finally getting to live my life so for me it's to be my authentic self, showing all those parts of me. Like, Part of me is protected because I'm 
I'm in a wheelchair, part of me is protected because I'm gay, hardly anything's protected because I'm trans and it's trying to have those conversations and for me it's massively around sport and, and engagement of young people to make sure that they don't go through that same journey as me. So for me, definitely to be an authentic self. So you, you've done a lot of talking on, you know, trans inclusion in sports. Can you, can you just tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so, so um, I was the trans inclusion um, in sports manager for Mermaids and in my own right as well, I work a lot around national sports governing bodies, policy writing. Um, I was the only trans uh, rugby player allowed in the room with the, when the World Rugby Bands came in as well. And it's about having these conversations, but having the right people in the room. So mm-hmm. I was asked to go and attend, to be there as lived experience. But then when you start talking lived experience, it's antidotal. They don't want to, they don't want to listen to it. I'm lucky enough to play against trans men, trans women, cis men, cis women, non-binary people. Um, and I'm still the only injury in 20 years as a trans person from a cis player. And trans women were playing with no issue for 20 years prior to that, still with no injuries. Mm. But they've banned trans women and, uh, and girls from playing. So for me, it's about having a voice and using my platform for them. Um, I've just come back from Vienna. Um, I won the Emma Goldman. Um, award out there and some money to, to use as a project so I'm looking at hopefully setting up a web app where young people can find inclusive clubs where they can go to and youth services and mental oh. health and things like that. So oh that's great. Hopefully. Thank you. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so yeah for me um, we need to start challenging, stop being scared. We've mm. got really good sports bodies that have had brilliant policies that are just about to go and, and be released and then they've been threatened with legal action by gender critical voice and then we're scared about what's going on so that's where we need to see this challenges now. Mm. Um, I think it's also worth noting that once one governing body enacts a ban, it's the domino effect. Yeah, we have seen that. Chest. We have seen that. I know, chest, can you come yeah, on? I know, it's absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, like, what, what are they saying? And I think what they are actually saying is men are better than women. And therefore, you know, we have to stick with this binary. Like, I used to play chess for East Cheshire when I was younger and for the school. Probably shouldn't admit this to everyone. But... I was using my brain and you know there's no you can't say that there's an advantage but they'll conjure something from somewhere and it's been amazing that the chest um chess federation has said no actually we're going to allow trans women to play and we need more governing bodies to stand against those gender critical threats and bullying and say well actually no because there is evidence to show there is no biological advantage. And there's research out there as well, so there's absolutely no research to say that testosterone is an overarching mm-hmm. advantage at the moment. There never was in the beginning, it was all hypothetical, and the people that had made these hap- hypothetical assumptions were on uh, cis men, cis women, uh, high-end playing within their sport that have had thousands of pounds of training and effort put into them. That's not a trans woman on a Sunday morning in a local grassroots club. It's not a 14-year-old that's not played for three years and told that because they had access to rugby at a younger age and boys are better than girls, therefore they're banned. So we're not seeing this at the moment. And then again, everything knocked on. The st- they're using the same science, the same research, it's the same people in those rooms. And it needs to stop. We've got new research. We've got Blair Hamilton. Mm-hmm. We've got um, so much out there. We've got the um, Monash University, we've got the Canadian Centre of Ethics, we've got the IOC, but nobody's listening. And again, I'm still the only injury in sport as a trans man yeah. from a, a smaller cis female. And we, we've seen sport after sport after sport coming out with these, you know, anti-trans policies. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder where is it going to stop? And what you just said, 
you know, it, it kind of gives us a bit of hope. Yeah, we need a challenge. The research is, is yeah. there, it's coming. But again, it should be different because kids are only playing grassroots at the moment. There's mm-hmm. no pathways for them. And kids are not getting supported in school to go play that. They've been asked to leave school to not get involved. The kids are being put in detention. They shouldn't be in detention. Mm-hmm. They should be supported. And we should have a look at how we break down these bits in school. Because not every... Um, trans woman, trans boy, cis girls, cis boy w- wants to play sport. It's affirming, but some of them want to play mix. Some of them want mm-hmm. to do other things. Mm-hmm. And it's about letting them develop those skills against each other. I think something you said that was really interesting when you come to the, like, the, the work of children is I'm dyslexic, dyspraxic, I have ADHD. I was a teacher's worst nightmare at school. And surprisingly, I was actually incredibly anxious. I wasn't badly behaved, but I excelled in those non-academic mm. spaces, and that's what gave me so much confidence. Is that you know, not necessarily sports all the time, but arts and drama were the places where I actually learned what it was like to feel success yeah. and started to build that interpersonal confidence, I suppose. And I think by taking that away from kids, you know, we're robbing. Us, not just ourselves, but society, trans people, of those future leaders mm-hmm. to an extent yeah, because yeah. we're not giving them the confidence to build. And when you look at the education system over the years, there's been an acknowledgement that this linear system, you know, for example, GCSEs, you, do, you learn for three years and you take your exam right at the end of it, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And when we look at subjects, you know, like going to university and doing this, the traditional route, doesn't work but having things like apprenticeships having BTECs, having this that and the other to allow for people with different you know different skills to still be able to excel but not have the traditional university route that's acknowledgement that people learn differently and people need different things yet when you look at sport it's like that doesn't that suddenly doesn't matter that's just off the table completely and it's either a yes or a no yeah you need different skills for different things like i i was the naughty child um dyslexia adhd i'm 42 and finally getting a statement at 42 it's like i've got this far but rugby let me challenge so when i lost my parents that was my one place to go i knew where i could go i knew i was accepted and I, i talk about it a lot if it wasn't for them women all them years ago supporting me i wouldn't be the man that i am today and we don't just learn to play a game of sport, whether it's tennis, football, rugby. We take that problem solving, making friends, working with our peers, we take that into adulthood. And at the moment, we're ripping a whole generation away from that. And especially with neurodiversity as well, it can be really something that they can focus on, mm. no matter what it is. And it doesn't have to be the big sports. A lot of trans young people are, are finding new sports like roller derby and, mm. and Quidditch and mm. lots of non-mainstream because they know they're accepted. So, Oscar, could you just give us your definition? Of, oh, yeah. Because we, yeah, cause I can, <laughs> we kind of skipped you there. So let's just go back and do that. I suppose I would define intersectionality as you, the interconnection of yourself. So it's about all of those different aspects that make you you, but also those aspects that don't make you you. And mm. I think that's something we also don't always talk about in intersectionality is actually... We talk a lot around the parts of inter- the parts of identity that marginalise us. You know, whether we are trans, whether we have a disability, whether we are what gender we are. But it, true intersectionality also acknowledges the areas that we do have privilege in. Mm. So, being male, being white, 
being fully able, being in, in lots of spaces, being Christian, are all places that actually also give us privilege and intersectionality to me. And I think the backpack example is really good, but I think it's also, I suppose, the level of support that you also have to carry mm. that backpack to. Yeah, and we, you know, we mentioned neurodiversity. I know you, you mentioned that, Verity. But I know, Eva, you're itching to talk about this. So over to you. Well, there's a high proportion of neurodiversity within the trans community, but it's never talked about. You know, the only time you ever hear about it is when it's used against us, that a person can't be trans. They don't really know why, because they're neurodiverse. How could they possibly know themselves? But, you know, as we've heard, like, people who are neurodiverse excel in other ways and we need to listen to them we need to give them the credit to to be able to talk um, and the only way we can do that is by talking about neurodiversity positively and being that representation and openly saying well yeah i'm on the spectrum so what i can still thrive as long as i've got the right support um, and i think now we, we're seeing a rise in for example adhd diagnosis mm -hmm. And for many adults, like I found recently, that realization that you're neurospicy is hell. So that's why I've always struggled. That's why I've had major depression and difficulties in certain situations, whether it's learning or social. It's suddenly this light bulb moment. And yeah, I know we don't need a label, but it, it gives us something. It's another part of our identity. It helps as well because people can talk to you in a different way. You can realise mm. and you can, like for me at work, being dyslexic and ADHD and writing policies and stuff like that. So there's different ways that I can do that, whether it's talking and it's written down or if it's typed up and then it's really looked at. But because I'm in this chair and I've had so much surgery, I take a lot of painkillers and sometimes that numbs my ADHD down um, so people think I'm quiet and then when everything's okay, I might have a, a, an alright few hours. And An example, my partner came out the other day and he's like, what are you doing because I keep rare fish and one of my fish had um, one swimming properly and I went, teaching it to his swimming course. He's like, right, I'm just going back in the kitchen. <laughs> for me, that was just something normal. I go out and I play for one of the top teams in the world at rugby and then I come home and I'm messing about with trying to... Randomly teach a fish to swim and stuff like this. So it's just having those back and forth and having people that support and understand you. Yeah. And that's what our next generation of gender diverse kids need. Because once we get them in, in their places and we support them, then we've got a brighter future because we're going into a future that, that is not binary. Yeah. So, are, are any of you involved in any other events um, today? Any other talks? Um, I'm not involved in any others today. I've got a few bits coming up throughout the year, sports related. So right. um, keep your eyes out for that one. Nothing from me today. Um, doing a TED talk on Thursday. Are you? Oh, what are you watching for? Uh, TEDx Teesside Women. Oh wow! So it's one of the, I think one of the few TEDx events where it's for women. How about you, Oscar? Today I'm off to the awards after yeah. the conference today. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, small. Just, just a small event, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but no other talks today. But I've got a few lined up over the week actually, which is quite exciting. I'm really excited to do the student ambassadors launch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. If anyone wants to take up wheelchair rugby, go out there and have it and look it up. It's for everybody, able-bodied, disabled, all genders. Amazing. Well, thank you for coming in and having a quick chat. It's really nice to talk to you. And hopefully, you know, 
we can, we can do this again at some point during the during the week. Thanks so much. Catch you later.